what society thinks. They're nothing anyway. They're no better than me. Until we have a safe word, we will not stop. Hey, this is uh, Jason Rouse, and welcome to the Safe Word Podcast uh, today on a Thursday, Thursday afternoon here in uh, Hollywood, California, a stone's throw from Chris Cornell's graveyard. Uh, My guest today is Eric Eligria. (laughs) <laughs> That's so not close. <laughs> so not close. Eric Allegria is another comic in LA who I always get brought up on stage as. Um, Eric Oligny. Uh, yeah, and it's spelled completely different. Right. It, it's well, it's spelled O-L-I-G-N-Y, just like it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, I, you being a Canadian, I'm kind of disappointed that you wouldn't get a Canadian name right. I know that. Uh, but the thing is, too, is the the French aspect of the country is not... Something that was uh, around. They're scumbags. You can just say. <laughs> no, I like Montrealers. I've, actually, I've been to Montreal. Montreal's great, right? It's a beautiful city with you, a lot of piece, pieces of shit in it. There's some shit. There's some strippers. How uh, long were you in Montreal for? I was in the army uh, on Fort Drum, New York, and we decided to go there for about four days. Mm-hmm. And I had sex with the only prostitute I've ever had sex with in whoa, my life. Whoa, you fucked a cop in Montreal? It was amazing. <laughs> Handcuffs and everything. Handcuffs? Yeah, Montreal, that's where you would go for prostitutes, I think. So was, I've heard. It was like a call girl prostitute, so it wasn't... She was awesome. Was she hot? Oh, so hot. Really? Yeah, so hot. I was... I got... I'm my, not surprised. I'm just like trying to envision what... Because you're gambling. Oh, you're definitely gambling, but here's the good gamble. You have five military friends with you, and you order five of them, and then you let them, you pick out who you want, and luckily the one that I wanted was... The one in the wheelchair. That's, (laughs) I've always been into that. She had a Bible in her pussy. She was called the Holy Roller. And you got to think, she's going to be there the first, because she's got handicapped parking. Oh, yeah, yeah. And And she's right up there. You're going to get those um, discounts, too. So yeah, I you ate a, a hooker. I didn't eat her out, but uh <laughs> I'll tell you what, there was that thought. She was that good looking. Uh why um so you you were with these military dudes. Yeah. You guys order up, you call something where off of like off the internet. You so just Google anybody who's whores. been to Montreal would know. They yeah. run around the streets and there's tons of guys handing out cards saying, I'm gonna get a yeah. do a call girl. I've never call followed up on any of that. We followed up on it. Uh, and it worked. It was a good time. It, it was, was worth it. It was worth the $200. Because you know what Vegas is like. Oh. They're flipping those things out like they're fucking Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. Yeah. And I'm always suspect because you look at the, and you're like, this is not, we're never, this is, this no, isn't no one's going to show this. up. You're this, getting no catfish getting for sure. I'm getting Don Knotts. Yeah, but I mean, I would fuck Don Knotts for 150, 200 bucks. That's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, dude, I fucked Don Knotts for 250 bucks. That's a good deal. 
What what a great title. He does. A title for a one-man show. I fucked Don Knotts for 150 bucks. <laughs> and think about his celebrity appearances. They he gets more for just his appearances than he would for so fucking you. This guy says he'll do it for 200. <laughs> That's the uh, zero from Slipknot. It says he'll fuck Don Knotts for 200 bucks. <laughs> Hell yeah. You think you're better than us? <laughs> Slipknot. Oh, by the way. it's the voice. He'd, he'd struggle. All right, oh. <laughs> I, I don't think I could fuck Don Knotts. Well, I've all, I thought about that because Hulk Hogan's wife came in one night to the comedy store and she was kind of flirting with me or his wife. She was kind of flirting she with me. She was having first. her shit in the urinal and she was pointing at your and, mouth. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about it and I was like, would you have sex with a famous person you're not attracted to just because of their fame? And I was like, yeah, I probably would. Well, the, something like Hulk Hogan's wife, you fuck that chick, you got a body that's going to help you move one day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. And <laughs> I just imagine her grip is really good. Like, she has a real strong grip. Being with Hogan. With her cunt or her fist? <laughs> both. Oh, can you imagine her? She for she sleepwalks and gets up with you hanging out of her hole, and you're being walked. <laughs> and just before she's out to fucking drain her mud mitten, you just slide out. You're you no no. You're hanging cock between the leg. You're laying flat on your back, screaming by your dick. I would like to think and she, she's waddling around. I would like to think though she when she's holding on to you that way that she pees and instead of like aiming towards the toilet, she just puts your foot towards the toilet and just drains off your foot. Okay, now you're being gross. <laughs> <laughs> so but that's the thing you know and that's how i know you well i think the first time we haven't now that i think of it we have a way cooler story oh but i don't think we should name names you're not in the camera you, you got to get in the camera for this they uh, got to see your excitement on your face <laughs> this is a weird time uh, one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite stories in LA and I've been here for now almost seven years and it still is top. It's one of my favorites. So the, we, uh, we met at a, a weird event because my first year here in LA, Russell Peters invited me to his new year's Eve party at his house in Beverly Hills. And, uh, I walk in and John Favreau is DJing. So that automatically is John like, Favreau was playing Michael Jackson songs. Yeah. Like all night. Go ahead and No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I know. I'm just I forgot uh, about that too. Yeah, okay. So John Favreau's DJing, which right away, as a person who hasn't been in LA for that long, you're like, holy shit, this is crazy. Uh and yeah. then no security, no everything's just open yeah. pot policy. And we got a friend here that rolls these incredibly large joints. Like, just so large. And they look I, like table legs. Yeah, they're just ridiculous. They're I the Cheech and Chong like, joints. Yeah, 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 it totally looks like a movie gag joint. Yeah, and then that was rolled from our buddy. Uh, and he always rolls these every year for New Year's. And this New Year's, I happened to tell him, I had a Cheech and Chong Big Bamboo album with the uh, rolling paper still intact, and it was an original album, so it wasn't one of the re uh, duplicates. And oh. I told him I wanted to get rid of it because it was going to get ruined in my apartment just sitting around and like... Yeah moving and he's got a nice house so i was like if you frame it i'll give it to you and he betrayed me for one of these big joints and so i was like okay i'll trade you for this big joint and i took it to russell's house thinking this is going to be the best place to bring it <laughs> uh, right away when we walk in john I, favreau i shuddered when i saw it it was i didn't even know someone was smoking a joint i thought there was a fire in the corner <laughs> in the back and that's the best part is who was around the joint. It was like it was the most famous people. Bruce Buffer was hanging out with us yeah. there, and 
It was so crazy, such a crazy night. And then I met, that's cool. where I met you. Yeah, um, I think we crossed paths maybe at the stores in, in passing, but, but that uh, was our first night. We actually yeah, talked we just started talking. Yeah, we hung out. It was just a weird. I think we were both just like, "This is fucking weird, right?" And yeah. you're like, "Yeah, this is real weird." It's like the Seinfeld. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld says about how like comedians will find each other at a party. Yeah, and you and I are the two dark weirdos. Yeah, so we're definitely <laughs> gonna find each other. <laughs> we were both pissing in the same corner. Hey, yeah. neighbor. And they so did. that same that same party, I brought a uh, I brought a menace. This girl's like one of those backup Minnesota cheerleaders. Like she's a backup to the cheerleaders. Uh-huh. But she was really cute, and I was like, I'm going to bring her to Russell's house because I guaranteed I'm going to probably get laid. Yeah, and uh, not me, <laughs> not me. I am the most unfuckable person in the city. I don't see that. I see I see women <laughs> flocking to you constantly. No, 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 no. <laughs> those are cries for help, and I'm empty. Or the fucking Costco is bare. There is or they're no, just future prostitutes. So. Oh fuck! They're just—it's a mess. Anyway, tell me about how Jesus came into your life. So uh, Kevin Lee Light. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, poor Kevin. Right. Rest in peace, Kevin. Yeah. Rest in peace, uh, Kevin Lee Light. If you don't know, who Kevin Lee Light is Hollywood Jesus. We called him uh, Aerosmith. Called him Street Jesus. He was on all the LMFAO videos. Oh, yeah. He, he did like a Lana Del Rey video. And uh, he used to hang out at the comedy store and, and just be cool. He was the coolest. He, was, uh, he would always give out back massages. I know, right? Yeah. I have a picture with him and giving a back massage train at the comedy store. It's like 10 people deep. It's like Jeff Ross, Don <laughs> Barris. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, On the sidewalk, naked. Yeah. It could be one night. Uh, he, but we had some great times with him. Uh, so, yeah, that's where I found Jesus. I found Jesus at the comedy store. <laughs> no, right? As you do. And, Around uh, 3 a.m. I, I found Jesus right next to Boone Shakalaka selling a dollar album. <laughs> he has good stuff sometimes. He has great stuff. I try to ignore him, and then sometimes I'm like, fuck, I wouldn't mind that. That shirt? That's kind of a cool shirt. He's got lots of records, too. Somebody yeah. bought some Cosby records off of him. Yeah, Tebow got a pair of shoes that are like $600 on him <laughs> for like three bucks. You're like, that's a good come up. They were uh, they were full of earwigs, but uh, yeah, they were, they were $600 <laughs> yeah. shoes at one time. Yeah, what are you going to catch from wearing those shoes? But whatever. Oh, no, pink guy. Yeah. Pink guy. That's somebody has been since Hobo's flashlight. He'd be the first person to ever get pink eye from shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh so we meet uh, we, at the party and then, you know, I'm a regular around the comedy store. I see you there, you know, it's probably just as much as not more than me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm there uh, quite a bit. I, lo- I love the comedy store. I don't really love all of it, but I love the majority of it and the people like you and I that understand what's going on. And sure. We don't need to worry about having our names on the wall and all that. And no, I don't. I like the, uh, the, uh, the, the melting pot of madness that is the comedy store. And it's all related. It all spawns from stand-up comedy. So it attracts, you know, that patio on the weekend, it's the most eclectic group of people I may be in the city. My favorite thing is to watch the climbers. Well, the climbers, and you know what? The chaos end of the climbers. The climbers are very strategic, very calculated, mm-hmm. very, you know, A, B, C, D. And then you bring crackheads and psychopaths, <laughs> sunburnt tourists, alcoholics, drug addicts, pimps, drug dealers, hookers. Well, they're trying to jockey. It's it's fucking hilarious. It's madness. It is madness. Because lo- you've got crazy who doesn't clearly zero fucks. 
We're here to fucking party. You know, rich people, poor people, and every span of mental illness in between yeah. everything. So you get people that are desperately trying to be needed and wanted and a guy who just took a shit in his <laughs> pants and is buying drinks for everybody because he just won the lottery. Which he's not lying. There are people that have taken shits in their pants on the front patio. So Guilty as charged. <laughs> I usually do it in a paper cup and then pass it around like Dairy Queen ice cream. Soft I, serve. I would rather do it in a solo cup and make it more like a high school theme. I'd rather do it in a young lady's mouth to keep her from fucking telling me about her day. I feel like that would have been good. <laughs> I feel like that would have been more appropriate on International Women's Day. Like, just show your love. Jordan. Yeah. So uh, the comedy, but the one thing I, I love about the comedy store is that it does give us a connection to other comics that we do get along with and that we find similar things funny and we're like, oh, okay, this is the comic that I'd hang out with. This is somebody. Yeah, yeah. You, there's definitely different frequencies of personalities and, and, and people that kind of congregate to that area. And there's just some people that, like you said, the, the climbing thing can be exhausting. You know what I mean? And when you clearly see something of interest in somebody and they're just regurgitating their resumes and the, what they've been up to, and really I'm here just to kind of get a little fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to smoke weed yeah. and get funnier. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's uh, it's cool. It's uh, fun. But like, what, what are some of your, you know, seven years in and around the comedy store, you... Get to see some fucking crazy shit. What are some of your... There's been... Didn't Ari uh, get sucked off on stage? Uh, that was right before I got there. <laughs> Literally, I missed that by about a month or two, so... Damn People it. were getting fucked. That's like one of the most legendary but moments. But somebody got shot, and yeah, now everything I was, slowed down. I was actually there the night he got shot. You got shot. shot. Where were you? Uh, I was in the, I was holding a gun in front of the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first tweet that went out after it happened was, where is Eric Oligny? So <laughs> immediately, I I mean, think about like being at a they, place for so long. You're a shooter? Yeah. They no. Pe- they said, where is Eric Oligny? And I was like, I was watching the guy die. <laughs> yeah, you were kissing him on the forehead going, just uh, run into the light. It's over, buddy. You bleed. <laughs> Now he had a he had a I think it's called a sucking chest wound. It's where it's like it's right. You could hear him his lungs. And oh, was, filling up with blood. It was just me, Josh Nasser. Didn't and, Josh uh, give him a blowjob to try and bring his <laughs> drain his lungs or I something mean, with his asshole? He probably would do it just to add to a bit later <laughs> <laughs> or have an act. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna write. This is how I'm gonna write. I'm gonna actually do this shit. <laughs> he fucked the guy's bullet hole while he bled to death. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new Sam Kennison. I need a one man show title, and it's called "Fucked Hole." Oh, so man. he, you, you were on the patio. I was no, I wasn't on the patio. I was in the back, and uh, they were fuck, doing the, right. They were doing the roast battle before it got big, and then uh, all the production staff that was there were talking about how they heard fireworks. You'll hear that a lot when you hear gunshots. I was in the military, so. Um, I ran out there to see what was going on, and I saw this guy laying on the ground, and I saw everyone was still freaked out, like laying underneath the uh, awning of the, you know, those little benches at the, people sit on that marble. Yeah. Everyone was hiding underneath that marble and they wouldn't move. And it was weird because they were stuck in this place in time where they were freaked. Like, cause the guy had already left. They were insane. They were safe. Paralyzed. They were paralyzed with fear. And keep in mind, they were literally putting themselves in the area by hiding on that side of the wall. Or did they, so people were jumping over the wall and shit, right? No, people jumped 
people didn't jump. They went down below. The guy ran away. Uh, so, oh. so they're still inside that little patio area. Yeah, yeah. But it was just weird to see. It was kind of like everything had stopped on one side of the patio, and Josh, uh, the bouncer, Justin, and I were by the guy who was bleeding. And uh, it was just really, it was surreal to see those people staying all still. Like it had their their time had stopped, and ours was still moving, and it was really weird. And isn't it how life can just do that? Yeah. As a collective, the same, it's almost a reverse effect as a comedian has with an audience where everyone's in this kind of joyous state and they're not really thinking about where they are or who they're with. They're just kind of captive in this. In that moment, yeah. But this is like, you know, earth shattering experience with the murder situation yeah and, and that's uh, yeah. You, you see how people act too and i'd say out of everybody rose it uh, seems weird now talking about it because it's it seems like every other weekend now right there's another shooting every weekend but that's just that was a, a gang related thing for that was there. a gang related thing they haven't caught the guy it's uh it was all gang related i mean he obviously targeted this guy he didn't shoot anybody else he got yeah. five shots off and all of them landed uh which you know thank god he was a good shot you got to say that. Yeah. He didn't hit anybody that we knew. And, and that stairwell's very crowded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was crowded. The good thing is, is Tiffany Haddish had gone long on the roast battle that night. She was going long with her judging stuff. Mm. So the roast battle had gone on longer so people weren't out on the patio. Or else, if she hadn't been like long-winded in her battle uh, or whatever, yeah. it would have been a lot more people out on that patio. Yeah, that's and crazy. So everyone says she saved a lot of people's lives that night by being long-winded, so... It's Big a weird thing, a series of events that would bring you to that place where you could just find yourself at the end of a gun. You know what I mean? Like, I never understand how people can do that. Like, to be, and then to have the balls to do it on Sunset Strip. That's got, you got fucking balls. That's gangster. Yeah. That's straight up gangster. He, want a movie, he wants a movie made about him. <laughs> like, Speaking of movies, should we look in this surprise bag? Oh, okay. So the bag, you guys want to know what's in the weed bag, huh? Let's see what's in the weed bag. Who's this from? This is from Natural Remedies. Uh, one of the ladies there, she, uh, she's been cool with me. I've been going there for about six years. Um, Hormos Rashidi, really great comic at the comedy store. Mm -hmm. He's a uh, good friend of mine. He introduced me to this place. And this lady always gives me a little something extra. And today I feel like she gave me a lot extra. So let's see what's in the bag. Mm. Wouldn't it be weird if it was just like a couple of chocolate bars with a ha-ha note? Some sort of wax and some pre-rolls and some, some very, okay, very so professionally. I bought, the, I bought the weed and the wax. So you see that? I bought the wax. It's a gram or a half gram of some GG. This stuff uh, scares me. I do not uh, find it very funny. I love the wax. Uh, this is some Skywalker OG. Uh, I had to get some, some of that. Is this an Indica, right? Yeah. Skywalker OG. Look at how they package this stuff. Like, this is the future. That's the new recreational packaging. If you're watching this from another country, uh, this is how they do it in Cali. Right? This is the new recreational packaging that the government makes them use. Ah. Um, okay. So then this is what was free. She gave me some, she gave me three joints. Some nice pre-rolls. And what is this? Because this is also something interesting. It's extract, so even more wax she gave me. That's extract. Can I see? Look, it look. I always thought of it as like caramel, caramel candy. Now this stuff is ten times what wax is. This stuff makes you fucking. This stuff gets you lit. So, really? Look yeah. at that. So she gave me a half gram of extract. So that's pretty cool. 
This stuff is, it looks like snot on it. They call it shatter. Yeah. Um, But you put a little bit on a bowl or you put a little bit in one of those little. Could you eat that and freak out? No, I don't know. I've never (laughs) tried because it's so good when you smoke it. Why would I eat it? Should we light up one of these? Yeah, let's light them up. Let's smoke all three before the podcast. (laughs) You smoke, you smoke a lot. Yeah, I smoke a lot of weed. Would you, how many ounces of marijuana do you think you smoke in a month? Well, Two? Over an ounce, that's for sure. Over an ounce of marijuana. Yeah. Well, and I also, I smoke for, I work for, I don't know if I should put this on a podcast, but I don't really, I don't think it will hurt me. I work for Funny You Should Ask, uh, Byron Allen's game show. I'm a stage manager there, and in between shows, every production guy needs their little pen. So I, I smoke a lot of the pens. Oh, um, on while well, you're on at work, and it doesn't. It doesn't smell. It doesn't. But you can keep a nice, consistent high. Do they know that? Um, Here you go. Do they know that uh, it is marijuana? I'm or sure. You just go, uh, yeah. I mean, and it's I, as long as it's not smelling up the whole area, and yeah. you don't, and you do your job well. I'm sure that's all they care about. But I'll let you know when I get fired on Monday because somebody listened to this podcast. People do listen to these podcasts. <laughs> I've had some people yell at me. Because it's some of the shit. Yeah, I've got to. Uh, I've got. It's a cool job. I don't get paid that much, but I get to. I get to hang out with some cool comedians who I've. I've actually ended up falling like, uh, falling into like liking these people who I didn't think. I, uh, John Lovitz being one of them. I John, super nice. At first, I didn't like him. I thought his shtick was like. I thought he was being a dick. And then I, I got to know him more working with him, and I was like, this guy is the shit. Yeah, he, he is, is cool. so awesome. I was a little, you know. Starstruck when I saw him, and we had the um, done a Monsters the Comedy show at the John Lovett's Comedy Club over at the City Walk, and John was there, and he came into the green room and said very nice things and explained to him a little bit of philosophy about how he wanted the club and it be relaxed, cool, everyone here is to have a good time, blah blah blah. And he was very nice, very very very. Uh, very cool, John Lovitz. Yeah, he has a dog named Jerry. It's this little cute dog with an overbite or an underbite, I mean. Uh, and I get to walk him around and stuff, but I'll take him to his trailer. And when I first started, John and I were, I guess, butting heads or whatever. And I didn't take Jerry to, for walks that much. And so his dog was taking shits in his trailer. <laughs> and so I'd go on set and John would just go to me, my dog shit in, your, in the trailer again. And I would just kind of like in, turn around and laugh, you know, turn around and be like. <laughs> so weird, right? <laughs> you... Mm. had two yolks in that one yeah that's got marijuana that's marijuana right some good marijuana peeps yeah it's good i come in is that this is a probably a hybrid yeah i can feel a and b coming together you get like that fake smile and the wanting to kill yourself at the same time (laughs) 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 you're gonna kill yourself with a smile (laughs) can you well you (coughs) i've been able (laughs) You've probably noticed this too. Maybe you haven't. But you know when you meet people that first come to the store or Los Angeles to come and do comedy and they start giving you their spiel and you can pretty much tell whether or not they're going to be around in a week. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, right? You get an eye for it. You're like, oh, you're done. You go like, you go like, you go, oh, max two years. You just max them out. Yeah, you can you can literally tell the timeline that they're going to end up on. My mic that I can tell what's going on in the Los Angeles open mic scene that you can really tell what's going on here 
Meltdown Comics has a mic every Monday at five o'clock. Uh, five o'clock. Who does comedy at five o'clock? It's one of my favorite mics, just because the stage is cool and uh, it's a just it's an easy mic to go to, and it's free. Uh, but you can go there and you can. You see. said it's free. Yeah. Meaning that you might have to see. This is the thing that people don't know, and this is I think the only place that it happens is in L.A. Is sometimes I haven't uh, I've avoided these situations. You have to pay to go on stage. Okay, so this is what changed since crashing. Thanks, crashing, and thanks, I'm dying up here, and all these shows that are Did great. it help? Uh, let's say it just made it to where everywhere we go now, and I love to do open mics. I do about four to five a day if I can. Um, I'm paying $5 at every open mic now. Every. There's no free mics in L.A. anymore. There's hardly any. Uh, really? Hollywood Improv, Hollywood Improv runs their free mic. The Comedy Store. A free um, open mic. That is fucking retarded. And the hard part is, is those free mics, you cannot hardly get on them because everyone's there. 50 to 60 people, and there's only 20 spots. Yeah, there's literally 1,000 people for every spot in the city. 1,000 people. But with Meltdown, I can always tell when the new class of comics coming in, when the new people are coming in, and you always go, they'll be here for a couple months, and then this whole class will be gone. <sighs> Out of all of the people that come, there's only like two or three that stay. Like they've been snatched in the night. No one even asks about them anymore. Nope. They just they never just existed. You people are just plucked off of this thing randomly, periodically. Life comes in. Fucking homecoming queen isn't cutting it as an actress. She's pulling a string of shitty condoms out of her ass, breaking her dad's heart. <laughs> well, I mean, why not just leave the condoms there? Collection. Thank you. Start a tire fire. I uh, I moved back to Tampa. My roommate got into a fight with our landlord, and the cops came. And I was fight. A fist fight. Really? And uh, he, and we got we got kicked out of our apartment. And you know anybody knows here in L.A. You need time. What to, was it over? Uh. He smoked meth, and my landlord wanted him out. Oh, that's weird. And by the way, I've, the best way to get cheap rent in L.A. is find meth heads. Because meth heads will get you cheaper rent in your area. How do they do that? <laughs> because the, they bring down the... the cost. Oh, the, the quality of the property. Yeah, the yeah. quality of the property. So... Um, this uh, he, got, he, got, he got me kicked out. And you know, at L.A., you have to have time to set up to get a new apartment. <laughs> So I didn't have time, so I went back to Tampa for three months, and everyone thought I was gone for good. And when I came back, it was like they saw a ghost. Yeah. Uh, people were looking at me like I was dead. Yeah. Like, whoa, you're back? Oh, my God. And they would come up to me and give me these long, like, heartfelt speeches, and I'm like, I don't need a heartfelt speech. I just needed to get money to get another apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I needed some breathing room to reassess myself. Best decision of my life, though. It changed me. It, like. It made me see well, myself. It's very easily to slip into habits and kind of like bad habits here. And then being oh, separated for two, three weeks, a month, uh, you really notice a difference when you come back. Yeah. It's, it's good to, to kind of give your head a rinse, <coughs> be around some normality in some form or another. You know what I mean? Because... Uh, what we're dealing with five days a week is not normal. Oh, it's, it's not at all normal. It's a barrel of monkeys. When we go home at night, is not normal either. When we're sitting there by ourselves and just contemplating everything that's going on in our lives and then also tweeting and trying to keep up with social media trends. Comedy has gotten harder. People say comedy is easier for the stand-up comics and whatnot. It's not. You have to be on top of everything. You have to be on top of social media, three different sites that are major. You have clubs you have to go to. You have to get booked at these clubs where they're impossible now. And 
it's, it's not easier. It's it's yeah. Way harder. This is not the city to get good at stand up comedy. <laughs> Glad I chose to get good at stand up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's exceptions, and we know you know guys like Ari and uh, maybe half a dozen other people who've uh, beat that system, but they knew when to get out. I would say it's right for certain people. Like I think it was right for me because I needed the ass kicking. I needed the. Well, you're also at the front doors of the university yeah. every day. Yeah, I'm going to school. You're going and, to your and people think I'm hanging out all the time, and that's the misconception of me is I'm always watching. And every I know every comic set at the comedy store. I've seen every comic there. I watch what I want to watch, and I go smoke. You've weed seen when I, like a hundred million dollars of comedy a year easily. Yeah, right? it's for free, right. for, for free. free, and they let me get free soda. So <laughs> I don't, I don't drink. That I anymore. don't get. Oh, I get occasionally. Toby will throw me a, a free soda or something. Uh, Eric Anderson, the uh, head of the comedy store. I quit drinking, and he was he was real happy about that. So oh, you don't drink anymore? Uh, not at the comedy store. I, I, <laughs> I, I do have drinks every once in a while. I had a drink like uh, two months ago. Yeah, but I don't drink at all, like at the comedy store yeah. around my comedy career, because I want to be great at comedy. I don't want to be seen as a drunk. That's why I quit. And weed, it's not a big deal. I don't act different. I just get high, and well, I act different in the fact that I'm more relaxed. Uh, it does help with anxiety. That's mainly reason I was taking uh, lorazepam for a short time, and I hated it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it was just I felt weed. I hate anything I define, that makes you feel different. Yeah, like makes you not feel like you're in your own body. Yeah, yeah. Alcohol can Alcohol. make you feel out of out of body experience. It's called blacking out. I think I do that a lot. But also, my I'm <laughs> I'm a really happy I'm a really happy friendly drunk. Oh, I and gotta, that doesn't go well in comedy. I've got a miserable, mean, a mean streak. <laughs> this ain't all costume. There is a mean streak. I. uh yeah, it can get pretty ugly. See, my problem is I get too comfortable. I like, get very insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> More so than I am in my uh, day-to-day life. I'm just glad you've always liked me, so I didn't have to see that insensitive. Oh, it was got along. But you know what we were talking about being at the university and being studio. I knew that you had really done nothing, but you were uh, aware enough to know that you were in a, a, a school. Yeah. And you were grateful. To be Very grateful. And no I one gave you a scholarship. You show up, you put in your time. So I always... Most of the people want you getting kicked out of the school. Yeah. So you're constantly being told you ain't shit. You're not nothing. You are you're you don't belong here. I've been told that a hundred times. At the oh. store. I'm not worth being there. I was told it two months ago. That's just somebody by said your on, mother on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody was like... Somebody was like two months ago, one of the paid regulars, uh, who, you know, yeah. uh, he said, you'll Ooh. never be a paid regular here. You're sorry. You don't... And you know what? I blow those people off my... I, they're not going to be part of my comedy career. It's no. not a big deal. They're not uh, lining up for tickets for your show. And it's it kind of funny because it's ongoing. You're being blindsided constantly. There's no peace. It's like a hen house, right? Yeah. It's very much like going back to high school. Oh, except... When I went to high school, people used to get the shit kicked out of them. And yeah, uh, yeah, and that's the thing about the comedy <laughs> store too is it's changed in that way too. Nobody gets ass kickings anymore because we either when Favorman punch a kid in the face. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it was insane. It was me, Tom, <coughs> Tom, Tom Rhodes, <coughs> who I'd never had a chance to really sit down and talk with, Jason John Whitehead, who I th- you mm. think he read for Jim Jeffries. I know. And, him, yeah. um, 
Uh, Sean Rouse, who's on a fucking tear. Like he's biting people and shit, <laughs> right? And he's hammered. Sean Rouse. And Mike, but we all, we're all on the level. Sean is going crazy, but we're not even phased. Like this is our peer. We're, it, it's, it's just, and we're all chatting about international comedy and so on and so forth. Anyway, comedian come over to uh, the table and started saying some things and Tom didn't take a liking to it. Mike and Mike Faverman and Tom had just met minutes earlier and Tom turns to Mike it says, I'll give you 20 bucks. <laughs> this is the first time he, when he, he looked Mike in the eye. Is when he offered him 20 bucks to punch this guy in the face. Mike stands up. Boom! And then he takes his 20 bucks. Fuck yeah, that's 20 bucks. <laughs> that's what Mike said. I go, you get your money? He goes, fucking right, I did. 20 bucks, anything for 20 bucks. <laughs> and bro. I was like, finally, some honesty out here. It was nice to see that. But you can't beat people now after that guy got shot with um It was before that. Cameras. It started with uh, Eric started making it more of a club and like more of a representation of like the comedy store. And a so standard. That, yeah, a standard, which a it's great. Day. It's great. It's not anything. Uh, the old days were needed to be kind of stopped because the club was wild. Um, Holy fuck. But in the I, same sense, I'm glad we got to live in it. I didn't worked there until like <laughs> two years later. Really, you could just walk in. Go see shows and then leave. And no homeless, one, no one homeless even asked people, you. Homeless people would be the audience yeah. sleeping in the back. Dude, it was literally, it looked like a soup kitchen with a, a microphone in it. I went, because this is, I'm going back 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, I was, so it was I was the, horrified. It was on that teetering end when I came in. So like in 2010, when I came in, it's like, that's when it was at, it's like. It started to swing. It, it was a swing. Uh, it took about a year or two and then it started to swing. Yeah. Around the Carlos Mencia stuff, it started to bring attention, some conflict and comedy, you know, and then it, it kind of, things started to. Butterfly effect, I think, uh, around that time. I don't know if that was Yeah, and a lot, a lot of the comics that were door guys that became paid regulars also were starting to get somewhat of career. Yeah, Duncan. Duncan and Ari and all these guys. The podcasting was blowing up, and that really helped the comedy store. Yeah, there was a series of... It was like that that domino effect that these guys were did comedy when no, no one liked it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Perfected it. So it's a hard thing to do when you it's not a... You, you don't get a... a but it's, it should be that way, you know, when you don't have a lot of uh, cheerleaders behind you. I'm just that glad. club was empty on a Saturday. Yeah. Empty. That's because of Tommy. Well. Yeah, that fucking I'm just glad I was there to see the Dude, it's packed. How, how many people on average come through that club on in a week? In a week. Well, so let's see. I would say. 7,000? Yeah, ten, seven to ten thousand people. Seven to ten thousand people in and, the club, and nine thousand eight hundred of them are comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say there's a large chunk. Yeah, because comics are once you if you're a, one of the comedy store comics, and you don't have to be paid regular or whatever. If you're just a guy who is a comedy store comic who you're learning there and you're known as through the comedy store, those people are loyal to that club, and like you grow friendships there and families and. I'd say the whole place is like a big family, and then you have people that just like your brothers. Murderers Row. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, uh... Can I throw this in the air? Yeah. Oh, look, it did a... I think we should pause for a cigarette. Okay, pause. <laughs> is it pause? I don't care what society thinks. Good or nothing anyway. They're no better than me.